Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we're discussing why you should stop buying new stuff with Money Pro, Katie Wolk Stanley. Hey, Joel, last episode we talked about some ways to get great customer service and how one of the ways is to make sure you research a company or a retailer ahead of time. And a lot of times we do that with reviews. Well, it turns out that these reviews aren't all legit. Yeah, that's so true, Matt. I think we're living in a time where reviews, it's harder to tell the legitimacy of those reviews online, right? So it's not that all online reviews can't be trusted, but we do have to be careful when we're especially on particular items, right? That's the place where fake reviews are most frequently found. Yeah, certain items that they're trying to highlight or boost sales for. But yeah, we came across an article recently where the FTC announced a lawsuit against an online retailer on Amazon for paying for fake reviews. And as they looked into it, it seemed like there's a lot of this going on. Uh, there's at least a lot of suspect reviews going on. And so some of the telltale signs they said to look out for uh, when you're looking at these reviews is to look out for reviews that have broken English because a lot of these different companies are kind of farmed overseas and the reviews are kind of half-baked. <laughs> Another sign is that if there is a singular reviewer, so if you see a great review and then you click on it and it turns out they've got thousands of reviews that they've left recently for different companies, or maybe they're all reviews in the same industry, that's also a red flag. And then lastly, look for retailers that have a surge of positive reviews all within a very short period of time. 
So yeah, keep a lookout for all of those things to avoid some of those those fake or bogus reviews. Yeah, I think sometimes, Matt, people rely on just that kind of that quick look uh, to see what the star rating is for a product on Amazon or whatever site they're shopping on. And it helps actually to dig in just a little bit. And you can tell by reading a few reviews, kind of the people that have actually used the product, that are familiar with it, that seem to have a working knowledge of what they're actually reviewing. And I think if you just go by that star level, you might get led astray because there could be a lot of fake reviews buried in there. So yeah, go down and actually read some of the reviews, especially if it's a bigger purchase. And one other way you can avoid kind of getting taken by a bunch of fake reviews on a product and thinking it's excellent and, and making the purchase, there's a website called fakespot.com. So check that out. We'll, we'll post that in the show notes. But yeah, so when you cut and paste that link from Amazon, Walmart, wherever you're shopping into Fakespot, it gives you kind of a grade. And for instance, on an item I just put in here, Matt, it says, our engine detects that in general, the reviewers have a suspiciously positive sentiment. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> this uh, this AI is just intuitive enough to know... Too positive, it, too happy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so apparently 22% of the reviews are reliable on this one. So that's why it gets right. a grade of F. And uh, so yeah, it's just kind of helpful. A little bit of AI in your life, right? To help you out, spot those <laughs> fake reviews. Yeah, Joel, that AI or those different algorithms, they're, they're helpful, right? They're different tools that you can use when you're looking at purchases. I know on Yelp specifically, they have different reviews that are hidden because they think, oh, this person doesn't have enough reviews. Like they've taken steps in order to try to keep some of those bogus reviews from having too large of an effect on a business. But, but yeah, you know, it comes down to an individual because us as consumers are much smarter than any algorithm that's out there, at least currently. And so, yeah, it's up to you as a consumer. I don't know, Matt. I've met some robots that are smarter than me already. <laughs> so I am a little worried. So you know what we need to do while we're thinking about AI taking over jobs? Let's step back and let's enjoy uh, one of the finer things in life, <laughs> a nice craft beer, okay? And listener Brandon sent a beer called AZ Dreamsicle Double IPA by a brewery called Arizona Wilderness. And Matt, I've heard fantastic things about this brewery. Never had any of their beers until I literally just sipped this a second ago. Sorry. Yeah, you always cheat and have like a tiny sip of the beer before we actually announce it. And I'm a purist and I like to sit by and patiently wait so you can just look at the can art or something like that while, yeah. I ha while I have a sip. Well, you enjoy your rule following and I'll enjoy my beer. Smells delicious. I know that. But this is a double IPA with Arizona oranges, vanilla, lactose, and citra hops. So this beer is supposed to taste like an orange dreamsicle. And you know what? I'm not going to spoil it yet. We'll tell you what we think of this beer at the end of the show. We're not going to spoil it, but you can put your money on. It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. You spoiled it. All right, Matt. On to the topic at hand. We're talking about not buying new stuff. And Money Pro Katie Walk Stanley turned in her five minutes of wisdom that I'm super excited to share with everyone. She is the founder of the site nonconsumeradvocate.com. Katie's super cool. She writes about ways to avoid buying new stuff, making do with what you've got, and in particular, often her affinity for goodwill. She's a complete nerd for goodwill. I feel like if you follow her on Instagram, you're seeing a lot of goodwill shots pretty much all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like her holding something, smiling. Well, she sells a lot of it too. She's got the side hustle going on, right? And uh, she sells a lot of the nicer items that she knows that she can find in a goodwill. She knows she can sell those online. That's kind of like her side hustle. Yeah, make an extra buck. So she's a nurse that likes to shop at Goodwill and make a buck on the side. I like that. Yeah. Something else I like about her is she is not afraid of picking stuff up off of the sidewalk. So I am all about the what I call the curb alert. So just free stuff. I've picked up a microwave before. Like it was pretty new. It wasn't like nasty. Rain boots, building supplies. You know, I've scored all sorts of stuff on the side of the road. Small children. Yeah, if they're just sitting there. Like. <laughs> However, she takes it to like a whole another level. Recently, she posted a picture of a soggy towel on the sidewalk, like it was wet, like a wet towel. And we live in Atlanta and we see these things and those are things you just do not pick up. No, no, I don't. <laughs> but she has no fear. And I think part of it is because she's a nurse. She's like, whatever, I've seen it all, I've touched it all. And yeah, man, she'll pick up like a wet soggy towel off the side of the road, like in the gutter and take that thing home and clean it and uh, throw it in the dryer. And it's like nice and warm and fluffy looking. Just by looking at it, I can tell it smells good. <laughs> Yeah, her commitment is enviable. It's really impressive. The reason, Matt, we wanted to cover this subject today is because there is a massive problem in our country. And the problem is that the friction of buying new stuff has become almost non-existent. It's so easy. There's one click to purchase on Amazon. We just buy something new when we think about it or when an older thing wears out or breaks. 
We are a society that loves to see new things show up on our doorstep in shiny packaging. And Matt, there's this phenomenon even where somebody orders something on Amazon, they forget what they've ordered. It feels like almost like an unboxing video for them because they don't even remember what they purchased two days ago when it shows up on Prime. I think that's just indicative of the fact that we buy too much new stuff. Not only is that a budget killer, but it has ramifications that go even beyond that. Yeah, Joel. I mean, overconsumption has always been an issue when it comes to the environment because of the production of new goods that has to happen because all that old stuff has to go somewhere, right? And recently, it's not only affecting the environment, but again, it's kind of going back to, to the dollar, but it's swinging back again and, and hurting us as a country financially and not just the US, but just other countries in Europe as well. But that's the fact that recycling is becoming too expensive. Fairly recently, China is just is not accepting recyclables anymore. They used to be the number one buyer of recyclables, and that's just no longer the case. Uh, 99% invisible, actually. Do you listen to them? I don't. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I've heard they're awesome. I really need to. Roman Mars, he's got that deep, soothing voice. Super dramatic. Kate can't stand him, but, <laughs> but I like him a lot. But they did a really good story. And what China rolled out, they called it Operation National Sword. And essentially, it was them saying, nope, we're not going to take your recyclables anymore because of just how they want to portray themselves as a country, not just as this country that accepts everyone's garbage, basically, where they melt down all the plastic and, and turn it into plastic pellets that get to be made into new toys, things like that. From a financial standpoint, it's becoming a problem again, where for years, for decades, it was affordable to consider recycling as just the easy solution. But unfortunately, that's just not the case anymore. Yeah. So, so many local municipalities and governments are having trouble knowing what to do with everything that you put in your blue recycling bin or whatever color your recycling bin is, because there's no money to be made on that recycling anymore. And so we as humans have to be thoughtful about the stuff we're buying, not only for the environment, but for how it impacts our personal finances. And so let's hear from Katie Wolk Stanley. She's got some really good thoughts for us on how to stop buying new stuff. Just a reminder, every Money Pro episode, we bring our Money Pro on for five minutes of distilled wisdom. Let's hear Katie's now. Hey, Matt. Hey, Joel. Thank you so much for having me on your terrific podcast. Now, before I get started, I figured I should be enjoying a nice craft beer, especially since I'm from Portland, Oregon, which is just home to a million craft breweries. But instead, mm. I will be enjoying a fine tap water because that's how I roll. Now, I made a decision in 2007 to stop buying new stuff. This has evolved into what I call non-consumerism, and it encompasses frugality, minimalism, zero waste, and big picture financial goal settings. A good example of this is my TV is about four feet thick, and yet my daughter just graduated from college without any student loan debt. The tagline of my blog is use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And that's just kind of how I think about my purchases that my family makes. So not only does buying use keep my family on budget, but it also benefits the environment as our purchases usually come without any packaging. And most importantly, our purchases don't trigger the manufacture of brand new items. And this is really important to me as I feel that over manufacture of consumer items is a global environmental crisis. And that if we all really thought a little more critically about our own purchases, that we could start making a dent in this. By examining our own roles as consumers, we can take control of how our purchases do affect the world we live in. For example, many of my household belongings, and my house is fine, it's lovely, are things that I've dragged home from free piles in my neighborhood, or I got through my local Buy Nothing group, something you should check to see if you have in your area, things I got for free, hand-me-downs, thrift store stuff. People often misunderstand being environmentally responsible as something that you can buy your way into. The idea that you can just get rid of the things that you have because, oh, these aren't organic bamboo, when in fact the most environmentally responsible choice you can make is to just kind of make do with what you already own. It's maybe not as pretty on Pinterest or Instagram, but it should be considered. 
When you buy used, you give a second life to discarded and unwanted items. And since you're choosing secondhand, you can afford to buy higher quality things that last longer or less trendy, which means that they're not going to appear outdated so quickly and they can be repaired. A solid wood item can be glued, can be sanded, can be refinished. That particle board thing that you got, not so much. Once it's broken, it's kind of broken and that's it. And then it's off to the landfill. Now you did an episode on how to money about cheap versus frugal. And it was a great episode and it really gave me lots of food for thought and I want to just respond to it. But I feel that there's a third choice in there. There's a little bit of a false dichotomy and that is where non-consumerism comes to play. And that is that third choice. And because when you are buying used, you are getting things really cheap, but you have things that are better quality. And the reason I want to talk about this is I feel that a lot of people dig themselves into financial holes, living beyond their means, get themselves into debt that's very hard to get out of once you're in it, because people don't want the stigma of appearing cheap. They don't want to drive the car that's kind of scrappy looking and maybe has some dents, although it may still be completely functional. So I am here to stand up for the cheap people. Non-consumerism allows you to step back from those societal expectations, to not keep up with those dreaded Joneses, take care of what you own, repair things when they break, steer clear of those trends, and accept that your stuff might not be 100% perfect. 90% is great, 80% is fine too. In other words, use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Thank you, Joel and Matt, for having me on your podcast. I've loved every episode. Keep it coming. All right, Joel. Katie, she's dropping that Portlandia knowledge on us. I love it. (laughs) And I love her motto too, right? Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And after the break, that's one of the things that we're going to unpack. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Matt, we're back as we wade into this topic of not buying new stuff. There was this awesome quote I recently read from Maya Angelou, and she said, we need much less than we think we need. And I feel like Katie just kind of set us up to think through this idea of not buying new stuff just a little bit better. I think that title probably of this episode, even just people seeing that before they clicked play, was kind of like, what are Matt and Joel going to get into (laughs) here today? Are they actually going to advocate not buying new stuff? And I feel like as we get through this episode, you and I will talk about our own personal take on how we view buying new stuff. But more than anything, I feel like Katie's influence in how she thinks about buying new stuff is just really helpful. We don't all necessarily have to put a ban on buying new stuff completely. And, And I know that that's not the direction I'm headed in, But I'm really excited to unpack what she had to say because it is changing the way I think about buying new stuff. And that is helpful. All right. So let's start at the top. She mentioned how in 2007, she stopped buying new stuff and she calls it non-consumerism, which is a little tongue in cheek, right? Like you hear of a consumer advocate. It's like, oh, this is someone that's that's for me. They're on my side. But she's kind of turning it on its head a little bit, calling it non-consumerism. I love that. Just from the very start, I love that. An example she gave was how she has like an old school four foot thick TV is what she said. What are those called? Like CRT monitors? Is that like with the tube? Maybe. Yeah. The tube television. That's the tube exactly. Televisions. Yeah. And those things are incredibly heavy. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually literally on the way home from work today, passed one sitting on the side of the road. And I thought of Katie because I was like, I know she would pick that up. <laughs> I didn't, but I know she would. She's like, that's an upgrade. <laughs> so she has like an old school TV, but her daughter doesn't have any student loans. That dichotomy was striking. Yeah. I love that because for her, it's a decision based on her values. And Katie, she values there being one less TV in the landfill. And she also at the same time values not being in student loan debt. And obviously, this is sort of countercultural, as many Americans have the exact opposite kind of going on in their life. Yeah. So what she's doing is just kind of reframing it for us and saying like, I made a trade-off here. And it's a trade-off that most people aren't willing to make. But when you think about it logically, that idea of having a thicker TV in order to be able to pay down your student loans more quickly, that's really not that big of a sacrifice, right? Matt, I've got a flat screen TV. I've had it for over a decade, but I've only got one and I haven't upgraded to 4K, even though it's kind of been something that I've considered. We've only got one TV as well, but it is a 4K because when those TVs came out, I thought they were freaking awesome. And I think that's part of why Katie's motto is so difficult because it challenges purchases that we make maybe without even thinking about them. Or even if we do think about it, we think, oh man, that's old. It's you know time for an upgrade. There's just habits and like the message of consumerism, they're fed to us almost daily. And whether it be through advertising or whether it be through just pressures of those around us, you see your friends maybe make an upgrade or there's just different pressures that we have placed on us and they're not intentional. We just absorb what we see and what we're around. And I think that rampant consumerism, that's one of the main things that I feel that Katie is kind of focusing in on. 
Oh, it completely is. And I think when you draw a line in the sand, a firm line in the sand, it can be so helpful in helping you actually toe the line properly. When you're walking that messy middle, like you and I do a lot of the time, Matt, it, it can be hard. It's easier to rationalize a decision based on what you want right now. And so later on in the show, we're going to talk about kind of some tips of how you can actually still buy new things on occasion without sinking the whole ship. That's how we view this. But I got to say, I have mad respect for how Katie does it. And and she insists that buying used helps keep her and her family on a budget. And, and I see that, man. It's working out for her for sure. They value a, a degree of financial freedom that most people could only dream of. Katie worked part-time as a nurse while her husband was in school. She's raised kids. Her daughter has graduated college without any student loan debt. I mean, those are amazing things that seem out of reach for most people today. And the fact that she has drawn this hard line and has stuck to it, that's what's allowed her that financial freedom. Yeah, that's one of her passions. Like That's her goal is to help people to live on as little money as possible. And so like we said, buying used, it's more affordable. But also by default, it's better for the environment. There's little to no packaging. And also, it just doesn't trigger that manufacturing of new items. I think it's worth noting what Katie does buy new. She buys new underwear, socks, and perishables, right? And, and that's good because I don't know, Matt, if you've ever been to Goodwill, you're you're looking around. If you've looked at the underwear section, it's pretty grody. <laughs> and so... Uh, is there an actual underwear section at Goodwill? <laughs> uh, yes, there is. What? Y- yes, of course. They sell underwear. They sell bras. They sell everything that someone might wear underneath their clothes. And... Socks, I will draw the line in that area. I'm not going to wear yeah, used socks underwear. Socks don't bother me, but underwear, that's like a whole different thing. You would wear used socks? Uh, if they're clean. Okay. All right. Like well, darn tough or, you know, some of those nice like Vermont wool, like lifetime warranty socks. Dude, I totally pick some of those up. Are those often found at the thrift store? I bet they are. Okay. okay. Especially after the uh, Marie Kondo epidemic. If anybody could find them, <laughs> Katie could because she is a master Goodwill shopper. But her husband will buy new, by the way. But let's get into her motto, Matt. It's use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And that's kind of the lens that she views all her purchases through. That's right, Joel. So let's go ahead and break that down some. So use it up. And the way I interpret this is it's mostly about reducing waste. As a country, we throw out tons of freaking food. On average, we toss out one pound per person a day. That's insane. Yeah, that's an insane amount of food. It's estimated that we waste 25% of all the food that's prepared for us as a country. I mean, that is a huge amount, right? And so not only is there waste from a financial standpoint, but just think about the impact environmentally of all the resources and money that went into even creating like that head of cabbage that you let go too long in your fridge that now you're tossing out. It's just a staggering amount of food. Yeah. So the use it up motto, it specifically makes me think that next time you think about going out to eat because there's nothing to eat in your house, go through your freezer and your fridge and your cabinet again. Because I guarantee you, most people can make a meal or two or three out of what they do have on hand. And so use it up is just a great thing to consider before you go off and, and, and make a purchase. Yeah, Joel, easily. And so the next piece in her motto is to wear it out. And these are things that you already have that might be getting old. I'm thinking about like clothes or even more expensive things like cars. Again, as consumers, we're constantly fed like the new shiny stuff. When instead, we have items that function perfectly but they're just a little bit shabby. You know, I think this one's a little bit related to the use it up. Like there are things that you already have. And instead of replacing it, just use what you already have. Or in this case, wear it out. Specifically, Matt, on the car example, people talk about driving a car until the quote unquote wheels fall off. And I think it is easy to get new car fever because your car has lost the new car scent or you start to have a couple of issues with it and you just get annoyed. You don't want to take your car into the mechanic and go through the hassle of getting it fixed. But the wear it out philosophy would say, you know what? It's going to be much better for your budget if you do continue to hold on to that car and drive it until the wheels fall off. Because if you get locked into a new car loan or even just buy a nicer, newer used car, that's going to have like massive ramifications on your monthly budget for years to come. All right. And the next part is make it do. And again, these are things that you already own, right? Sort of like with wear it out, like you already have these things. But in this case, oftentimes you've identified a new problem and you think, oh, I need a new item. I need a new product to solve this problem. But chances are it's vice versa, right? Why does that remind me of Ice Ice Baby? What? (laughs) You got a problem, I'll solve it. Like, (laughs) You think you need this new product to solve it? But honestly, man, I really think it's the reverse that's actually true. Like you see a product and in your mind, you create a problem that didn't already exist. You see something and you think, okay, how do I get my hands on that? Like, how do I convince myself? How do I convince my spouse, my significant other? 
that this is something that we need in our life. And so you fabricate this problem, even maybe subconsciously. It's not like you're actively trying to undermine your own finances, <laughs> but it's something that happens. And I think it's something we need to be aware of that we already have items and products in our, in our life that work perfectly well. And instead, we just need to make it do instead of purchase the next specialized product that will fix that specific problem. Yeah, Matt, what I think of when I think of this tenant... Of, other than Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> other than Ice Ice Baby is those infomercials that you'd see on late night television, oh my gosh, yeah. especially for kitchen items. There's always a specialized new blender or rotisserie cooker or something like that that you don't quite own. And I'll admit that we own the Instant Pot and it's a great device. Oh yeah, Instant Pot's awesome. It's pretty great. Yeah, not going to knock that. It can actually eliminate a bunch of other kitchen <laughs> devices. So it is a great one. But late night infomercials made a killing on essentially telling you that this problem existed in your life and that you couldn't make certain foods easily enough because you didn't have this glory device that was going to come in and save the day <laughs> and just make it so much easier for you to make tacos or homemade sauces and soups or what, yeah. whatever it might be. So what you have to do is you have to make do with what you have in your kitchen, that new device or kitchen countertop cooker, whatever it might be. It, it might be like fancy and, and do some cool stuff, but you can completely make do with what you have. It's more of a mindset issue than it is a needs-based issue. Yeah. And specifically, man, I think this is definitely true when it comes to electronics. I'll go back to the TV example because I've got the 4K TV. And guess what? I thought my old TV was perfectly fine until that new TV came out. <laughs> and I saw it. And then I looked at my TV and I thought, man, this, is, this, this TV is garbage. Like, I want the new one. And so for me, like that technology, once that came along, it pointed out the fact that whatever I used to have that worked perfectly fine, that I was very happy with maybe wasn't quite sufficient. In my case, I'll admit, I came up with a perfectly lame excuse to talk us into buying a TV. I didn't finance it, obviously. You know, I got something we could afford. However, did we really need that? No. But it was something that I convinced myself that we needed. So in this case, Matt, Katie would say, make it do. do <laughs> deal with the TV that you got. It's perfectly fine. And the last tenant of her motto is do without. So in case you don't have something, it's also easy to convince yourself that you have a legitimate need and you have to buy that new thing, even if you don't have an item that fits the bill that meets that need. You know, In all likelihood, it's just a completely unnecessary purchase that doesn't really serve you in the long run. And so it might be better to borrow from a friend. But that again is another mental obstacle where people don't want to do without. We see other people that have things and we justify it in our mind. We don't want to do without. We want to buy that new thing because we think that it's going to have a major impact on our personal happiness. And so instead of doing without, we make the purchase and screw our finances in the process. Yeah, Joel, for me and personally, the make it do and do without mottos are much harder for me to accept. When I have something, I, I will use it up. When I have something, I will wear it out. Like I have no problems wearing something until it's threadbare or using a tool that's just falling apart, you know, like out in the yard. But when it comes to identifying like a new problem, and for me, like the making it do and doing it without, it's when I've identified, like when I, in my brain, I've convinced myself that there's a problem, like I'm a fixer. And so when I see something that I feel like needs fixing and there's a product that solves that, well, that's what I'm going to gravitate towards doing. Do you feel like you have a tougher time with one of these compared to the other? I think the last tenant is the hardest for me, probably the do without. And that is, I think, more of like a psychological problem for me. It is coming to grips with the idea that that is not something that I need in my life. It's not a necessity. And I have to retrain my brain to think because I'm used to that easy purchase mentality. Because even though I'm cognizant of it, I feel like my brain has gotten used to how easy it is to purchase things in today's economy. And I need to consistently remind myself that I can do without, that I don't need that new thing. And, and that's just a retraining thing that's been taking time for me. Although I think I've made progress. You know what I'm thinking of that would be like super helpful? Like a shot collar? <laughs> <laughs> like a shot collar. I'm thinking of, you know, like on the missile nuclear launch buttons, you have to have like both keys. What if you and I had to approve each other's purchases? And so like, I couldn't just go on and make my own purchase. You had to be like, Matt, buddy, are you sure you want to make that purchase? And vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Then our friendship might have gone to a whole nother weird level. But <laughs> I mean, whatever. Just, just some accountability, you know, like that yeah. way you can't just like on your own, make a purchase without thinking about it. That, and that specifically reminds me, though, of a, of a Seinfeld episode where George is trying to break up with this girl. <laughs> and she says it's like a submarine where they both have to turn their keys to, <laughs> to initiate the weapons at the same time. And he's at one point he screams out. He's like, turn your key, Mora. And so it just makes me, makes me think of that, that if that's what it takes in order for me to make a purchase... There's definitely a lot more friction involved in that transaction, right? <laughs> Seinfeld, man. How old are you? I feel like Seinfeld is such an old school thing. Not that old. Not as old as you. <laughs> That's true. So Katie's motto, I love it, right? Another awesome point that she made is how there is a misunderstanding of what it means to be environmentally responsible. 
And she says that we mistakenly think that it's something that you can buy your way into. And she gave the example of like the organic bamboo floors, you know, and where like the floors that you had were perfectly fine. It makes me think of folks I even know who have made the purchase of like a new Prius where they're thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be better for the environment where they had maybe a 10 year old vehicle that was perfectly fine. When in reality, the most environmentally friendly and the most environmentally conscious thing they could have done was continue to drive that old vehicle. Because when they purchase that new vehicle, like we talked about earlier, it triggers the manufacturer of a new vehicle. And certainly there's a tipping point, right? Like if you're driving around like an original Hummer, chances are that's probably going to be worse for the environment than maybe buying the new Prius. However, most folks aren't driving an H1 Hummer. You need to consider the things that we already have and hanging on to those things instead of purchasing things that we might consider to be more environmentally friendly is the better way to go. Yeah, Matt, being green, being environmentally conscious, that's that's a good thing. But I feel like to a certain extent, going green has kind of taken on this alternative identity. And there's almost like a competition in our society for who can be the most green. And we wear it like a badge of honor. And there are certain things that just signal to other people that we are more green than everybody else. Something like driving an electric car or a Prius. But Katie makes a great point. If you're buying something new and perpetuating the consumeristic cycle just to buy something that's quote unquote green, well, you're probably not making the most green choice. So it's important when we're talking about not buying new stuff to not justify buying new stuff because of the green factor when what you have right now is perfectly usable and it's actually more green just to continue the way things are. Yeah, Joel, I think it's worth mentioning how being green in the way that our media portrays it, you know, like the way you see it on commercials and the way you see it on TV, like it's very pretty. But that way of being environmentally conscious is extremely expensive. Like just go to Instagram and Pinterest and, you know, like the sort of green natural lifestyle. It's not an affordable lifestyle. I don't see it even being that different than someone that has like the membership at a country club or a a golf course or something like that. Like that's just part of their identity. They're paying a lot of money for it. I think in the same way, we can get pulled into being green as part of our identity and lifestyle. And that's when it becomes part of our consumption and when we make unwise financial decisions. So Matt, it turns out buying used is actually one of the best ways to help us avoid buying stuff new. So we're going to talk about that and also give you some tips to help you if you struggle with just buying too much junk right after the break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Joel, let's land this plane of an episode. We're now going to talk about buying used. We're going to talk about some tips and some additional thoughts. So buying used, it allows us to purchase quality items that last longer and can be repaired. And this is the core of the debate between quality versus cheap, or in this case, a cheap quantity of items. And Joel, the problem is, is that the items that are manufactured today are not meant to be repaired. They're not meant to be passed down maybe from a father to a son or a mother to a daughter. Appliances in particular are not made the way they used to be. Like you had appliance repair people, but today what happens when something breaks typically? It's not worth the time. It's not worth the parts that you would even put in it to get it up and working again. However, the decision still lies with us as consumers. So make sure when you are looking at things to purchase that you are considering quality, that you are considering how, how long will this thing actually last? Like she mentioned like the particle board stuff. We know that the particle board stuff from Ikea it's good for a season. And even if you try to move it from one room to another, like it may not last that move. Been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that idea of buying quality used goods for a cheaper price instead of buying a poorly manufactured new item, that's a great way to kind of think about your purchases. And even if you do decide to buy new, maybe spending more for something that's higher quality that you can keep around longer. Sorry, Katie, I know that's not how you roll, but Matt, I've become more okay with paying a higher price for an item up front that I plan on having around for a long time and just buying less trendy goods that I'm not tempted to replace sooner. I feel like that's better for the way I think about buying goods. And I think it's better for the environment as well, whether I'm buying a used item or a new item, trying to find that quality good that's worth my money that I'm going to have in my life for a long time to come. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, what Katie would argue though, is that you can get quality just make sure you're buying it used. There's so much money that you can save by doing that. And she called out our frugal versus cheap episode, which is a classic. But she kind of mentioned uh, how buying used is sort of that third option, how you can get those quality goods for that cheap price without appearing cheap. And it's so true. Like that is the problem is oftentimes people don't want to look cheap. They don't want to be the cheap guy. They don't want to be the cheap girl. And buying used is sort of this cheat. You know, it's this workaround where you are able to get the quality stuff for that cheap price. And Joel, you mentioned like you'd be less tempted to replace like a trendy item. You know, another benefit is not getting hit with that depreciation of buying that new item. In particular with cars, we've talked about that, how quickly cars depreciate over the first five years. I would say that's the case with 99% of the items that we buy. They depreciate like crazy. So you know what? Let somebody else take that financial hit and you can show up a couple of years later and buy the item used for way less. All right, let's get into some practical steps that people can take in order to kind of help them along in this process. First thing to consider is any way that you can avoid the temptation to buy new, that's going to help you out in the long run. If it's people that you follow on Instagram that tempt you to buy new clothes or beauty supplies or whatever it might be, consider unfollowing those people or just getting on Instagram less often. If you find yourself running to Amazon to do a one-click purchase, maybe take the app off your phone and consider ditching that Amazon Prime membership. Any way that you can avoid the temptation in your life to buy new, I think it's worth considering. And in particular, man, if it's like a one-time use item, if it's something that you're probably hardly ever going to use, consider borrowing it. I recently did this in the neighborhood with a tiller. I needed to till some of the backyard because with the renovation, it kind of got chewed up back there and I wanted to get some green stuff growing. And I just threw it out there in the neighborhood. And a neighbor right down the street said, yeah, come on by. It'll be out there for you. I got to meet a new, incredibly generous neighbor. Well, he's not new. He's been around for like 20 years. <laughs> but now you know him. He's exactly. new to you. Yeah, he's new to me. Uh, and now he's a buddy. And so I didn't have to buy this item that I would probably rarely ever use. 
So yeah, look to borrow whenever you can. It's also smart to create and enforce a delayed purchase rule. So this has been successful for lots of folks when they're trying to eliminate their habit of buying new stuff. Think about creating a rule where when you have an item that you're really excited to buy, well, take 24 hours. Some people institute a four-day rule or a one-week rule, You know, whatever it takes to kind of help you assess a buying decision so that you're not buying on a whim. But if you know that you are actually going to buy something, consider used items and you can do that via different apps like OfferUp. You can use the Marketplace on Facebook. We've mentioned that one more recently because it's just gotten to be such a robust forum where you can purchase used items. But then obviously there's eBay. It's, it's classic. <laughs> and eBay specifically is a great alternative to Amazon if you're going to buy quality stuff. you know It's just as easy to hop over to eBay and do a quick search as it is Amazon if that's how you're used to purchasing your stuff. Also, consider going Katie Walk Stanley style and go to your local Goodwill or thrift store. I feel like I find the coolest plaid shirts at the thrift store all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're into plaid like I am, man, the thrift store is like the perfect place for you to go. It's amazing. Are there more or less plaid shirts in Portland than there are in Atlanta? Are they all snatched up because you're in Portland or are they all being discarded because there's just so many of them? That's a great question. We'll have to reach out to Katie (laughs) and get the answer on that one. Also, consider avoiding sales altogether if they cause you to spend more. I know this was my mentality for a long time. If I found something on sale, I'd buy it because I thought I was saving money. But usually I ended up spending more because I bought more crap that I didn't need. And so if that is your mentality, if you jump on sales and you're excited about 40, 50% off all the time, well, chances are you're buying stuff that you don't need with that kind of Black Friday mentality. That's when you would buy like six huge boxes of Cheez-Its, right? And they'd show up show up on the doorstep. That might've happened one time. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? Cheez-Its aren't good for you. So maybe I should have stayed away from that altogether. Yeah. Junk definitely applies to that purchase as well, right? That was the old Joel though. Come on, don't judge. And then Matt, the last tip to help you avoid buying new stuff is to remember your bigger goals. That's your why behind money. We did an episode on that quite a while back, but thinking about those bigger money goals can help you stave off those smaller purchases and especially those new purchases that you might make on a whim. And so we're working on that actually with my five-year-old right now. She wants to buy a jump rope. And so she's got a few dollars in the piggy bank, but we're really trying to help her understand that if she doesn't spend it now on smaller stuff, well, she can save up and she can have that jump rope. But if she spends it on little knickknacks now, it's going to take a lot longer before she ends up getting that jump rope she wants. So in the same way, if you can remind yourself, if you can write down, if you can put it in front of your face, those bigger goals that you have, it's going to help you have the willpower to avoid those smaller purchases that'll make it much harder to achieve those ultimate goals that you have. Well, you mentioned that you're working on that with Selma, with your daughter. I'm working on that with myself. Specifically, I've been looking at bikes lately and I'm trying to convince myself or remind myself that no, this isn't something I need, right? My desire to have a bike isn't greater than my desire to not be stressed and to work more because I think I need to earn some more money to pay for that bike. And let's be clear, you have multiple bikes. So it's not like... Yeah, I've got a couple bikes. It's not like it's the one bike that you would help you get around town. (laughs) It's like the third bike that would be another one in your arsenal. Exactly. It's, It's a bike that would allow me to do some very specific things and I've convinced myself that I need it. But again, just like you said with your daughter, it's the same thing as for us as adults. I mean, keeping our larger goals in mind. And for me, that's being less stressed about money. For us, we're still working on this renovation. Like We've got to get this thing knocked out and wrapped up as well. So yeah, keeping those larger goals in mind is is so key. And I do that for myself as well. Yeah, Matt, I need those reminders in my life too, right? It's not just me teaching my daughter. It's me teaching myself at the same time. And so yeah, I want to buy less new stuff. I'm encouraged by Katie. Yeah, man, I really am too. Yeah, I just want to buy fewer things. It's been said that the things that you own ultimately end up owning you. And I feel like that's the case. And the fewer things I buy, the, the better I am at saying no to new purchases the more control I feel like I gain over my own life and ownership I feel like I have over the direction that I'm headed in. Not just financially, but it's just those things just clutter everything up. Nice. All right. I'm going to now take us back to the beer. Again, we're drinking the AZ Dreamsicle Double IPA, which is by Arizona Wilderness Brewing. What'd you think of this beer, man? Yeah, Matt, this reminded me of, we've got this kind of old school hamburger hot dog kind of place. I I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) In downtown Atlanta, it's called the Varsity. And they've got this drink called the Frosted Orange. And it kind of tasted like that in my mind. Like it, it just kind of brought me back to childhood a little bit. Drinking a beer, which sounds weird. Because <laughs> you're not <laughs> supposed to be drinking beer as a kid. But it, it reminded me of the Frosted Orange. And it totally has that kind of orange creamsicle flavor going on really nicely. Yeah, well, the reason it does is this IPA has is brewed with lactose, which is milk sugar. So it gives it that creaminess, right? To where it almost has that ice cream-like texture. And even flavor on this one because it has vanilla in it as well. So it really is like it's this orange beer mixed with ice cream. But yeah, I love that it had that vanilla and it almost felt like it had a touch of spice. 
because of the sort of sharpness maybe from the orange. Like they had this edge to it. It was super delicious. And yeah, we want to thank Brandon again. Thank you so much for sending this beer and donating it to the show. All right, Matt, let's get to our final thoughts. And you and I, we're not necessarily convinced that we should never, ever, ever buy anything new ever again. But I will say I'm so impressed by Katie's efforts in this. Since 2007, for 12 years, she hasn't bought anything new except for literally like underwear and perishables. And to me, that's just uplifting to see someone creating a hard line in the sand. And you know what? For a lot of us, that might be what we need, that kick in the pants to create some hard lines. And that's not only going to be a help to the kind of environmental concerns by the overconsumption that happens in our country, but at the same time, just a massive help to our financial future. Yeah, Joel. And I like that you said kick in the pants. We say that often, but just being challenged. And that's how I view Katie's message. It's just, it truly is a challenge. And I want to end it with her motto, which is use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. You don't have to kind of cold turkey, stop buying anything new, but yeah, at least consider what you can get used and really be challenged to buy fewer things altogether. Yeah, Matt, I love it when our episodes challenge us as much as they do our listeners. And so, yeah, this one was definitely that. So thanks again to Katie Wolk Stanley for coming on the show. Her website, if you want to find out more, is the nonconsumeradvocate.com. And speaking of websites, if you want the show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, which is howtomoney.com. And if you have found this episode helpful, we would love if you were to leave a review. You can hop over to Apple Podcasts and mash that five stars. And you know what? It's worth mentioning too. Katie was the very first reviewer that we ever had on Apple Podcasts. Katie, we really appreciate all your support from the very beginning before anyone believed in us. Yeah. Thanks so much, Katie and Matt. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.